or hopefully you already got your nap, so you don't take it now. You take it earlier, right? So you're good to go. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We did. We got to do some traveling and uh, came home yesterday and enjoyed that. But uh, good to see family and all of that, and good to come home. You, some of you know what I mean? It's good to see them, and it's good to leave. And some of you know what I mean? It's good to see them, and it's good when they leave, right? You know, you set your alarm. What time were y'all leaving? Let's uh, get you on the road now. But anyway, I am Steve Brazell. I'm the director of missions for our Unity Baptist Association. For those of you who haven't met before, I've been here a few times and appreciate Byron giving me an opportunity to share with you this morning. We're going to be sharing out of Ephesians chapter 5. And Ephesians chapter 5, as you're turning there, just to kind of let you know some things that are happening within our association that we think are really important. I appreciate this church and your partnership with us in the 54 churches of Unity Baptist Association. You know, we make up churches in between Polk and Angelina County, basically, and um, having a great time, really enjoying seeing what God has been doing across our association. And part of that effort is in helping some of our churches that are struggling, and uh, we've been really active in that, and then also in uh, uh, helping our churches connect to some mission projects. I know missions is a big part of what um, Huntington First Baptist is about, and we're excited about a partnership that we have with the state of Vermont. And uh, we've taken two groups to Vermont this year. We're taking two more groups next summer. And uh, so uh, if you get information about that, I want you to think about being a part of one of those groups. Vermont is the least churched state in America. Two to three percent of the population of Vermont are evangelical Christians. So you just think about that. If your child's in a school, out of every hundred kids in that school, two or three of them will be believers. And that's it. So it's a tough, tough place, but it's a place in desperate need of the gospel. We have 54 churches in our two counties. There are just over 50 churches in the entire state of Vermont, Baptist churches. So a great need for the gospel there. And this summer we're going to be taking two teams, one to do construction work. So if that's something that uh, you like to do, you know, beat a hammer and things like that. We're constructing, not destructing, but uh, we're doing some construction work at the uh, uh, Bennington campus of the Northeastern Baptist College, which is the only conservative evangelical Christian college in all of New England. And uh, so we're helping them build some student housing. And then we're also going to be doing um, a retreat for pastors and their families up in northern Vermont. So if you're a cook or you've got the gift of hospitality or you work with kids or uh, teenagers, we're going to be hosting the pastors' families, nine or ten families, and providing everything for them at a camp in northern Vermont. We're doing all of this the same week, so if you would rather do one than the other, one person can go one way and the other person can go the other way. But we're excited about that. Most of the pastors in that area will not only be the only pastor in their town, often they're the only pastor for two or three towns around in any direction. So uh, there is a lot of loneliness in ministry there. And so we provide this as a way of encouraging them and helping them have a time away uh, where they can relax and uh, kind of get re-fired up for what uh, lays before them. So I'd encourage you to to, uh, you can ask Byron about that or Will, they'll have information about it or you can contact me and I'd be happy to tell you about those trips coming up in the end of June in uh, 2023. Have you ever been in a dark place? I mean, you know, a really dark place. 
Like, like uh, have you ever been to, I think it's called Inner Space in Georgetown or Carlsbad Caverns, you know, where you go underground a long way and then they turn out the lights? Have you ever been there? Let me tell you, that's freaky. And you hold your hand up like this and you can't see it. When I put my hand in front of your face like that and you can't see it, you know, it's a little bit weird, isn't it? I've done that a couple of times. Last week, my family, we were at Dairy Queen one night because we had to get a blizzard. Because you have to do that. Every once in a while, that's healthy. So we went and we we were sitting there and we, we were eating our blizzards and the lights went out. And it was cloudy outside, so there were no stars. And the lights were not only out in the Dairy Queen, they were out everywhere. It was dark. So you know what we did, being good 21st century people, we all got our phones out and turned the flashlight on and we found our way out of the Dairy Queen. And the guys were, you know, opening the doors, letting us out, going, have you paid? And I thought, well, yes, that's how I got my food. But the other side of me thought, what are you going to do? You you know, I can't pay you now. You can't take the money, you know. But uh, we got out of Dairy Queen and found out that everything was out on that side of the road. There was right down the street. We go down and we go to turn around. There was an apartment complex that had an electric gate. There was a line of cars waiting to get in. Couldn't get into their home. You know, it was funny too. I saw a line of cars trying to get out. And they couldn't get out either because there was no electricity. It was dark. Several years ago, I was working on a, my doctoral project, and my parents used to have a house out in uh, near Robert Lee, Texas, at what used to be Lake Spence. There's really no water in that lake anymore, so we call it Lake just to be nice. Um, and uh, I was out there in between Christmas and New Year's working on my project by myself, sitting outside one night in the hot tub, relaxing after a long day of riding, and I turned the lights out just to see what it looked like. Now, have you ever, you know, I mean in the country, country, you know, where there's nobody and you turn the lights out? It wasn't dark. You know why? Because when I turned the lights out, the sky just lit up. I mean, you could see stars that you couldn't see, you know, the thousands and thousands of stars. It was wonderful, but it was dark. If I looked down, it was dark. But when I looked up, I could see that light coming from the stars. You ever lived in darkness? Have you ever been to a place that was spiritually dark? I mean, really. Vermont's one of those spots. When we were up there this October, the, one of the pastors told us that when the state legislature meets back behind the Capitol building where the legislators are meeting, the Wiccans and the witches gather together to pray curses down on the state of Vermont. It's spiritually dark. I've been, in, I've been in Syria where the churches meet on Sunday night because Sunday's a work day because in a Muslim country, Friday and Saturday are the holy days. And the Baptist church that we were in was a lot like this Baptist church. They had children's choirs sing, you know. There were 40 or 50 people there gathered together on Sunday night. But it was dark spiritually. When you left that church, you could feel the darkness around you. I've been in China. In China, we got to go to church. 
It was an international church. To get into the church, you had to show your passport to prove you were not a Chinese citizen because Chinese citizens were not allowed to go to the church. And every single taxi cab that we were in had a microphone in it, not for the speaker for the phone, but because they were recording every conversation that took place in every taxi cab in the entire country, listening for keywords. Wanted to know if you were going to share the gospel, if you were going to talk about something that you weren't supposed to talk about. It was spiritually dark. Paul and John both use this phrase. John uses it a lot in his gospel and in his letters, the idea of light and darkness. And Paul uses the idea of light. In the passage we're going to read today from chapter 5 in Ephesians, he uses this idea of light and darkness and how we were darkness and now we are light. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 7 and read through verse 14. It says, Therefore, Do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, and take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts about who you are and who we are. Lord, that we would see ourselves clearly in your light. Lord, I pray that your spirit would have freedom to move and to challenge us, confront us with your word. Lord, that you would have control of these next moments and that we would be ready to hear what you have to say to us. And not only ready to hear, but ready to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's an interesting phrase that he says, he's talked about sinful lives and all of that, and he says in verse 7, so don't partner with that, but in verse 8, for at one time he says, you were darkness, but now you are light. Do you notice that? He doesn't say you were in darkness, and now you are in light. He says you were darkness, and now you are light. That's different, isn't it? It's not just being in darkness or light, but actually being darkness and light. That means that a change happens when you get saved, you get transformed from darkness into light, right? It's not just that the light enters you, but you become the light. He changes your very nature. You were darkness, you are now light. It's kind of the thing that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says, behold, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. You're brand new. You're made into something new and different. When you become a believer, you're different than you were before. You have a new nature. It's not merely a change in your surroundings. It's not just a change in your actions. It is a change in your very nature. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become light. Now, Admit that there are people who are darkness who sometimes do things 
that appear to be light, right? And there are people who are light who sometimes do things that appear to be darkness. Wouldn't you agree? That just because you are darkness doesn't mean that everything you ever do is sinful. You do some good things, right, on occasion. And just because you are a believer and you've been transformed into light doesn't mean that you never commit another act of darkness, does it? You still commit a sin. But you see, it's not the actions that define you. It is the character, the nature of who you are that changes. And so you see, that's why you can't just do good things and then get into heaven. You can't just do good things and please God because your very nature must change. God isn't just looking for good people. God is looking for people willing to be transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit into something different, a new creation, into light. He says, you were darkness, but now you are light. You are light. So if you're darkness, you need to be transformed into light. And then you need to walk as a child of light. You need to walk as someone who is light. Your actions need to change, right? Things need to be different. And what does that look like? Verse 9 gives us a clue of what it looks like to walk as a child of light. He says, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, in goodness and righteousness and truth. These are the acts, the works, the character of a person of light. This is how a child of light lives. They are good. They do good things. This is a love and action, right? Kindness, morally positive. One of the things that strikes me about this passage is that he doesn't say, don't act like a child of darkness. He says, do act like a child of light. You catch the difference in that? It's not just because sometimes people think that about the Christian life. I don't like church. All they do is say, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't do that. But that is not it at all. What Christianity is about is not so much what you don't do. It's what you do, how you are to live your life, do good things. It's not merely don't do bad things, but it is do good things. Live as a child of light. Make a difference in the world. Act in a way that is morally positive. Not just that I'm not breaking my morals, but that I am doing things that help. And things that are right or righteous. Which is to speak of being in a right relationship with God. Things that are spiritually uplifting. Do things that are spiritually encouraging and uplifting to yourself and to others. What do you do that helps others along their walk with Christ? Whether they don't have one yet and you're pointing them to him, or they have one and you're helping them get better, walk closer. What are you doing that is morally upright, spiritually uplifting, and then true? What is true? It's that question that Pilate asked Jesus, right? What is truth? How do we define truth? I would say anything that conforms to the Word of God and the will of God. Do things that are true. Live in a true way. Honest, high integrity, in a way that is true towards God. We might say ethically sound, morally 
positive, spiritually uplifting, and ethically sound. This is what it means to walk as a child of light. It's the natural outcome of what a person who is light, it's how they live. There's another way to look at it, and I really love verse 10. Verse 10 is an interesting verse. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord is the ESV. Discern, test, find out. I think it's the NIV that says, find out what pleases the Lord. This is another way of saying, here's how a child of light lives. They find out what makes God happy. And then they do it. You see, it's, it's much greater than than just this, well, I don't have anything to hide. You can look at my life and see that I've never done anything wrong. It's not that. It is do the things that please God. Do the things that please Him, that make Him happy. What is that? How do you find out what pleases the Lord? That's what He says. Find out. Discern. Figure it out. That means you've got you've to be in His Word, Right? You've got to spend time in his word more than on Sunday morning. You've got to spend time in his word during the week if you're going to find out what pleases him. You've got to pray. And when you pray, it's more than just talking. It's also listening, right? You've got to listen to him. If you want to know what pleases him, listen to what he has to say. So you read his word to hear from him. You pray and you open your life to say, Lord, tell me what I need to be doing. I want to please you, which means I make, more, I make my decisions not just on what is morally right, but I make my decisions based on what is best in the eyes of God, what he wants me to do. To that place, get to that place where I listen and I want to know what he thinks about what I'm doing and how he says I should live. Find out what pleases the Lord. This is a lifelong endeavor because it, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Find out what pleases him. What pleases God? What can you do that will please him? What can you do this week? Now, parents, you like it when your kids make you happy? No? Don't care for it, huh? We like it, don't we? It doesn't happen often. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know what that's like. Uh, Never had that experience. You know, there's a point in your, in your growing up when you do things because you're afraid of what will happen if you don't, right? All right? You, I better do it because if I don't, and you know, you've said that to your kids too, haven't you? You better, or if you don't, it's about to fall on top of you right now and you ain't going to like it, so you better do it. But don't you like it a little bit more when they do it without you asking? Isn't that good? Or when they don't do it without you telling them, don't do it. (laughs) But you know what? The higher form of honoring your mother and father, the reason that the commandment is to honor your mother and father and not just obey your mother and father is because honoring them means living in such a way that your parents are pleased with how you live. And that never ends, does it? Live in such a way that they're pleased with how you live. And that's much higher than living in such a way that they're not mad at you. All right? It's a different standard, isn't it? It's on a different level. Well, I haven't gotten in trouble all week. Okay, I'm not quite sure what that means. In my grandson's school, they give a Students Achieving Excellence Award. An SAE is what he tells me. I always have to ask him, what in the world does that mean? You know, 
but he'll tell me, I got an SAE this week. Whenever the kids do something that's positive and outstanding, they get a Students Achieving Excellence Award. Well, that makes you proud, doesn't it? It makes you happy and pleased. Listen, sometimes we spend most of our Christian life living just trying not to get on God's bad side. And that's a low form of motivation. To love the Lord is to say, Lord, I want to make you pleased and proud and happy with how I live. That's a much higher form of motivation. The same with your kids to parents is with us to the Lord. Find out what pleases him. And here's the deal. I can tell you how to be good and how to be moral, how to be just, right, how to live true. But I can't tell you exactly what it is that you need to do to please the Lord. Because what you need to do is different than what I need to do, right? And what you need to do is different than what the person sitting next to you needs to do. Find out what pleases the Lord. And then, because you are light, verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. In essence, 11 through 14, the second half of this passage says, light shine in darkness. I mean, what good is light that shines where it's already light? Light shine in the darkness. I've just been watching you a little bit this morning, and here's what I've noticed. Not one of you has taken your phone out and turned the flashlight on so you can see around the room. But that night in Dairy Queen, every one of us did because we were in darkness and we needed light. It is not enough for us to hang around with other light. The light must go into the darkness. Because the light of Christ shone in your life, didn't it? You were once darkness, he said in verse 8, right? You were once darkness, but now you are light. The light of Christ has shone through your life to your life and brought you from darkness into light. Therefore, our darkness, the darkness that we're around, the darkness that we live around, we must shine our light into that darkness. And I would say you start here. You start in the dark corners of your own heart, in your own life. He says, don't take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, which means that we must first shine the light into our own hearts, right? We must allow the light of Christ to shine in the very darkest places of our lives, the parts that we think nobody else knows about. The parts that we don't even want God to know about, we must be willing to let God shine in the very darkness of our lives. In the deep, dark, hidden corners that nobody sitting around you knows about, but you know and you thought or maybe you tried to hide it from the Lord, but the Lord knows. Let him shine in that darkness, those fruitless areas. He says that that these things are unfruitful. They're unfruitful works. They don't bear any good. But sin's not like that because when Satan tempts us with sin, when we see it, we think it will be good, don't we? That's why we do it. Nobody sins going, you know, this is really going to be terrible. I think I'm just going to do it and I'll hate every minute of it. You don't do that, do you? You convince yourself this will work. This will get me where I want to go. This will do in my life what nothing else can do. And what do you find out when it's done? It never works, does it? 
it is unfruitful. In fact, instead of satisfying us, it makes us hunger for more, doesn't it? You know, when you sin, and then when it's over, you're left empty. And so you think, well, maybe if I sin a little more, maybe if I go do this a little more, then maybe I'll find it. And that doesn't work then, does it? And so what do you think? Well, maybe if I do it a little more, then it'll work. But it never does, does it? It never satisfies that hunger. It just makes you hungrier. The first place the light needs to shine in your life is in the deep, dark corners that you have hidden away around the wall that you've got back there. There's something hidden. There may be many things hidden. Let me tell you, the fact is, is that some of you think it's hidden, but it's not. Other people know. They see it. You've got to take those things, and you're going to have to confess them to the Lord, and you're going to have to repent, turn away from them, and ask God to cleanse you, because you can never be all the light that you need to be until you allow that light to shine all the way through your life. That is what we call the work of sanctification within a Christian life. Even as a believer, you can have these hidden spots, right? Sanctification is, light, is allowing the light of Christ to shine deep into your life so that you live more and more as light and less and less as darkness. Because that's who you are. You are a child of light, he says. So walk as a child of light. Which means you've got to let him shine deep into those areas. But it's not just there in the darkness of my own heart. But I must be the light in the darkness of my world. In the darkness of the world around me. Which is in desperate need of light. People need light. To find a way out. They need light. Or else they're just stumbling around in darkness. Tripping over things over and over and over again. Because they can't figure out a way out. We've, we know this, right, because we have a phrase that we use to describe it. We talk about the light at the end of the tunnel, right? What does that mean? That means that we are in darkness and we can't see our way out and we finally we see light. And what are, what are you supposed to do when you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Walk the other way, right? No, you're supposed to walk towards the light. Why? Because I need that light to get out. And you know what that is? What, what, what does that mean to us metaphorically? The light at the end of the tunnel means there's hope, right? I can finally see light at the end of the tunnel. Why do people need light? Because they have no hope. They live hopeless lives. Look, Paul is saying this is not unique. You were once darkness. I was once darkness. I once had no hope. There was no way out. And then the light of Christ shone and I walked to the light and gave my life to him and I became not darkness anymore, but light transformed. There are other people around you that are in darkness. It's Christmas, right? Coming up now. Thanksgiving's over. We can talk about Christmas now. Is that, have, you, have any of you put up your tree yet? Overachievers. Lights on the house, turned on today. Okay, 
I have bad feelings about people who turn on their Christmas lights on their house before Thanksgiving. I'm just going to tell you, I do. That had nothing to do with the message. I just had to get that off my chest. One of the great Christmas passages, uh, an early passage that speaks of Advent, Isaiah 9. You know this passage, Isaiah 9, chapter, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has come. You see, as God looked down at the world, he saw a world in deep darkness. Deep darkness. And what did he do? He sent the light of the world to light up the darkness. You know what he does now? He sends the light of the world through his children, the children of light, the children who are light, into darkness. Because people who are walking in darkness are deeply loved by God. He doesn't want them to stay in that darkness. He wants them out. He wants to show them a way out. He wants them to have hope. He wants them to find salvation. That's what Christmas is about. I know, I mean, we're going to see all of the shows and all of the commercials over the next uh, month telling us what Christmas is about, and probably not a single one of them is going to talk about Jesus. But He is what it's about. The light. And friends, we are light. We must go into the darkness. We must go into the darkness. And the truth is, is that sometimes the darkness will not welcome us. He says that they, are, they commit things that are unfruitful, that, is, that we've got to expose them. That is, bring the light to bear, for it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. There is horrible, horrible darkness in the world. And if you can't see how dark the world is, just turn on YouTube for a little bit and you'll be able to figure it out. Turn on the news for just a minute and you'll figure out how dark the world is. If, you, if you're under 20, you can turn on TikTok and figure out how dark the world is. It's a dark place with people who are lost and cannot figure it out. And it doesn't make sense to them. The whole world doesn't make sense. And they don't understand what, how do you get out of this. And they feel like there is no hope, that there is no way out. I think all that we see in the stuff, the gender stuff and all of this other stuff is people trying to figure out some way to make sense of the world that makes no sense to them and sense of their own lives that makes no sense to them. And they can't figure out why in the world would it be so dark. And they need light. And we are light. We're light. We must go to the world and shine the light into that darkness. And just like it was when I was at that lake house years ago, when it is really dark, those small lights shine really bright. Just like it was in the dark crevices of the earth when we were at inner space or there in Dairy Queen with our blizzards, a little light shines really bright. 
be the light. We are the light of Jesus. And people may not always appreciate it, even though they desperately need it. They will not always welcome it. That's all right. Keep going. Don't quit shining your light. Because they need it. And don't be surprised if there's resistance. Not at all. They need it. Push back. Don't quit. We used to sing the song, right? Hide it under a bushel? No. Let your light shine. We are the light of Jesus. And when Jesus shines through us, he brings light into deep, deep darkness. He appeals to those in darkness, wake up, O sleeper, and rise, for Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your great love that you give us another opportunity to hear from you and you speak to us so clearly about who we need to be and what we need to do. And Lord, that you are light in our darkness. With heads bowed and eyes closed, God's spoken to you this morning. Are you darkness trying to pretend to be light? Or are you light? Has the Lord transformed you? And where's the darkness in your heart? If you're already a believer, where's the darkness that you've hidden? And where are the dark corners around you? Maybe very specific. I'd ask you this morning to think about as you're praying, who needs the light of Jesus in their life? Who around you is in darkness and needs the light? Father, we commit ourselves to you, commit our time to you, trusting that you will make us who we need to be. Lord, that we might find out what makes you happy and live in such a way that the darkness in our own hearts and the darkness around us is steadily being blown away by the powerful light of Jesus who shines in us and through us. Lord, we pray that we could be light this Christmas season to a dark world. Lord, that we could be who the world needs, who our world needs. In so doing, Lord, that we could please you. God, we would like nothing more over the next month to please you, just to please you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.